Okay, so today we are doing scapegoat trauma. So I'm just going to speak through the slides that we've got here and then um, we can open up a discussion. So a scapegoat, what is a scapegoat? What is scapegoat trauma? A family scapegoat is a role or a dynamic within a family system where one member often um, and unfairly, unfairly is, um, is singled out and blamed for a wide range of problems or issues within the family. Um, this person becomes a target for criticism, negativity and responsibility. So it's, um, it's like a lack of responsibility and placing the blame on someone else rather than taking responsibility for it ourselves. So within a family dynamic, uh, a scapegoat often carries the emotional burden and is made to feel responsible for the, the whole family's dysfunction. Um, regardless of the actual root causes, being the family scapegoat can have um, significant emotional and psychological effects on anybody, leading to feelings of isolation, low self-esteem, emotional distress, it's sort of like everything's my fault type of thing. And um, being a family scapegoat, we can, we can then tend to actually personalise in other situations that aren't our fault and take on blame of things that actually isn't ours. Um, so it works in so many different ways and we are going to explore that today. Um, it's important to note that this dynamic can be harmful to both the scapegoats and the overall system as it can prevent addressing the real underlying issues and hinder healthy communication and relationships within the family. So because it's be actually being put onto somebody else, uh, the root cause is naturally being solved. So it's just going round and round and round and round. So let's talk about... Um, scapegoat as a child how can a child be used as a scapegoat and this is really um this is really good for us to understand obviously we can use it in our own journey but, but we can also use this information to when we feel like someone's using us in a scapegoat or when we may feel like we're actually using somebody else as a scapegoat where we're lacking responsibility where someone else is lacking responsibility where blames being um being sort of like pushed on on somebody or on us so we're going to explore now how this um how examples of how a child can be a scapegoat which will give us a more tangible uh, explanation of what this is so blaming for mistakes sometimes when something goes wrong children may be unfairly blamed for it even if they had no involvement or were not responsible so this is always as which a child can be used as a scapegoat diverting attention so in certain situations adult, adults may use children as scapegoats to divert attention away from their own faults or actions they may shift blame onto the children to avoid taking responsibility themselves emotional manipulation in some cases children may be manipulated into taking the blame for something they didn't do as a way for others to maintain control or exert power over them family conflicts within families it's unfortunate that um it's not uncommon for children to become scapegoats during conflicts or arguments they may be blamed for causing tension or problems that are actually unrelated to their actions um, academic pressure. So children may also be used as scapegoats when it comes to academic performance. Sometimes parents or teachers may unfairly blame a child um, for not meeting an expectation 
rather than addressing an underlying the underlying factors as to why they haven't you know met this certain target or goal looking at how their child's feeling um looking at their behaviors and the pressure that they're under rather than just looking at um you know that, that they didn't actually achieve it so that's some ways a child can be used as um a scapegoat so there is a lot of trauma that can come from being used as uh, a scapegoat. Experiencing being used as a scapegoat as a child can have various impacts and potential um, traumas. It's important to note that everyone's response, everyone's response to trauma is unique and the severity of the trauma can vary depending on the individual and the specific circumstances. So there could be 10 of us here right now and we all um, witness a traumatic event, a traumatic experience. And from that experience, trauma isn't what happens in the experience. Trauma is what happens after the experience. So it's our, um, our cellular memory, our psychological, how we remember it. So how we remember a certain situation and the trauma that's caused from this, from an, a specific experience will be different to all of us. So it's not to say 10 of us here all see the same thing and we all have the same trauma because we all experience things differently. Um, so again, the severity of the trauma can vary depending on the individual and the specific circumstances. So low self-esteem, constantly being blamed or made to feel responsible for things that are not our fault can deeply affect our self-esteem. It can lead to feelings of inadequacy, worthlessness, and a negative self-image. Relationship challenges. Scapegoating can affect our ability to form healthy relationships. We can struggle with trust. We can have difficulties with certain boundaries or fear being blamed. Fear of being blamed or rejected, which actually stops us in our truth. Um, and then obviously it stops us in our truth and it stops us in our in our in our authenticity. And if it stops us in our in, in our authenticity, then it actually stops us from creating real deep soul connections. Because to create deep connections, we have to be authentic, we have to fully be seen. But if we've got this um fear of being blamed or this rejection, then we won't do that and we won't actually be in our truth. And um, we can attract, you know, um, toxic relationships, relationships where we, we can feel lonely in or we don't feel loved because we're not actually being ourselves. These challenges can both impact both personal and professional relationships. Guilt and shame. Scapegoating can instill a sense of guilt and shame, even when we, even when it's not our fault. Um, this false guilt can be challenging to overcome and may impact our ability to trust ourselves and others. So this, this constant feeling of shame and guilt that seems to just cycle in our life can also come from this scapegoat trauma. Uh, emotional and psychological distress. Being used as a scapegoat often, often involves emotional manipulation, gaslighting and other forms of psychological abuse. These experiences can lead to anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, or other emotional, psychological difficulties. So it's not just like, oh, uh, our parents had an argument and they said it's, um, it's our fault for behaving the way we behaved, when actually our parents can't communicate and they don't know how to build a, um, a more conscious, peaceful relationship. 
So then that child then believes that them speaking up or them doing what they're doing is the reason why the parents got divorced. You know, this is this is the level of which the scapegoat trauma can actually carry right the way through our adult lives. Something that seems so small is actually really big and it's detrimental. And this happens not just, you know, in childhood, but also in our, you know, in our adult life as well. There are many situations and scenarios where um, we can we can be a scapegoat or if we lack taking responsibility, how we can make somebody else the scapegoat. Um, so really understanding what this scapegoat is, is so important, not just for us, but, but for others, because we can't actually acknowledge something or um, we can't notice it. We haven't got awareness of it if we if we can't put it in like real life situations and be like, ah, that's what that is. Okay, that's what they're doing to me. Okay, that's what I'm doing to them. And then we can bring awareness around it through this knowledge and education and and through this we can we can heal our trauma and support others as well. Become a more trauma informed overall when we are when we're with others. So internalizing blame over time, being the scapegoat can lead to internalizing the blame and believing that. It's our fault for everything. This self-blame can be um, pervasive and affects our decision-making, confidence, and overall well-being. So it's um it's sort of like anything that happens in any situation, it's my fault. And I just want to speak on the fact that this deep work that we do and this shadow work that we do, um, you know, we move deep into our psyche. We are bringing our shadows to light. We're making the subconscious conscious. This work that we do is very, very deep. And in the process of that, we actually shine everything back to ourselves as a reflection, as a mirror, so that we can learn and grow. And throughout this work, as we are doing that, it's really important to know what's ours and what's not and when to hand it back. Otherwise, we're scapegoating ourselves. So that's just something to note that, yes, we do reflect everything back on us and we do look at, you know, what we're seeing and where it's coming from. But we're also able to set healthy boundaries and hand back something that doesn't belong to us. And we do that through knowing what does belong to us and not being the scapegoat <laughs> for everyone else to ourselves. Um, so I think we've just finished on that slide. So healing from the trauma of being used as a scapegoat can be a gradual and individual process. So here's some steps that can support us in this process, in this journey. So recognizing and validating our experiences. So everything that you experience is real. Every feeling that you have is valid. Everything that happens in your life is happening and we can gaslight ourselves in situations as to not validate the experiences that we're having and we actually can't move through these experiences until we recognize them and validate our experiences we can sometimes feel like oh well somebody else has, has had this happen so you know I need to just not mention about this about me because it's not really that big of a deal when there, there is no um there is no level there is no um no one's trauma is more important than anyone else's no one else's trauma is more bigger than anyone else's it's all that this is about is us validating our own experiences us validating our own experiences is priority and 
not allowing uh, ourselves or anybody else to minimize that, to tell us that something didn't happen that way um, or it wasn't that, when actually everything I feel is valid. So you don't get to tell me how I feel. This is how I feel. You, you, don't, you don't get to tell me how I've experienced this situation. And that is so important for us to acknowledge that this sort of gaslighting manipulation is actually emotional and psychological abuse. And it happens in majority of connections, whether it's friendships, families, partnerships. The majority of people are manipulating each other all day, every day. And, you know, we can gaslight ourselves in these experiences. So it's it's just dropping in and, and saying, like, when someone says they feel a certain thing, it's going okay. That's not how I'm seeing it. But I can't tell them that they don't feel that. So it's like, okay, I'm hearing you. This is my experience. This is your experience. I'm not minimizing each other's experience in that process. And the more we do this with other people, the more other people do it with us, us. So we can change everything around us by changing ourselves. We can lead by example and we can initiate this new way of conscious relating by starting to show up for ourselves as well. Others will do that for them. You know, if if somebody says to us, um, that's not what happened. And we go, don't minimize what I'm feeling. Um, I get to uh, have my own experience and what I'm feeling is what I'm feeling is that and that is valid when we do that for ourselves we also teach others to do that so if we was to do that to somebody else the next time they can go this is valid I'm feeling what I'm feeling so we're, we're all supporting each other and becoming more healthy with our communication and and we're there's just so much education missing on this and a lot of us don't actually know and and we catch ourselves all the time, you know, in communications. And when we learn more, we we actually look back at how people have behaved towards us. And we we didn't know that it was wrong, you know. So it's um it's so important to recognize and validate all of our experiences. Seek support. Um, like reach out. No one's on their own. Nobody has to do everything on their own. Yes, we take personal responsibility. But there is love, there is support all around us. And the most difficult thing that many of us can do is ask for support when we need it. Um, and asking for that support, having somebody to just uh, hold that space, you know, and, and know to other people that you're there to hold that space for them as well. And building more connections where we can we can all hold space for each other. Challenging um, negative beliefs setting boundaries, practicing self-care, um, processing and expressing the emotions. So many of us don't feel what we're feeling. Many of us just have an experience and we just continue with our day. Um, within our society, you know, we're surrounded by distraction as well. Um and processing emotions can be can be difficult you know it's it's it can be hard so there's a lot of different routes that we can take and unfortunately the processing and expressing emotions isn't a popular one but this is the one that supports us with our healing and our growth because if we think of it like on a learning scale how can i 
Okay, we've just made a salad. Gorgeous, absolutely delicious salad. Now, that, making the salad is the knowledge, it's the information. Now, if I don't eat the salad, I cannot get the nutrients that my body needs. So my body needs the nutrients from the salad. It's all good and well making the salad. It's all good and well prepping it, but we actually need to eat it to be able to receive the nutrients from it. And that is what the processing is. The expressing is receiving the nutrients. The processing is eating it. So think of it as an event and making a salad. Processing it, I'm eating the salad and then expressing it and receiving the nutrients from the salad. So, so many of us just make the salad. I'm just using that as an example. But so many of us make the salad and um, we don't actually have the understanding of how important it is to process and how detrimental it is not to express because if we do not process and express, those emotions are still within us. They lower our vibration and they lead us to find distraction because if we're not processing them, we need to numb them. So then we can look for food. We can, um, many things, the shopping, the sex, the food, the, you know, the work. It goes on and on and on. And you'll, you'll see that with someone who goes, who works, Seven seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. Um, somebody who goes to the gym every single day of the week. You know, it's it's all an escapism. It's it's all an escapism for me. I was the person that put myself into my work. That was me escaping my emotions, and that was a way for me to numb my pain. And we all do it in different ways. Some of us is alcohol, drugs, shopping, sex, foods. As we say, there's so many ways that we numb this, but when we can actually sit there and process it, most emotions actually pass after 90 seconds. And we can literally spend 90 years refusing to, to process one emotion. I'm not, no, 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 no. And it actually, most emotions only actually take 90 seconds to, to pass. Um, if we feel the feeling, like if you wanna cry, sit there and cry if you want to scream like a cry like a baby scream and cry like a baby if you've got rage and anger go and get a pillow and punch the pillow we're all human these are all natural emotions and on this journey a lot comes up for us and we also have a lot of triggers and activations the more different spaces we put ourselves in and we also process a lot with the collective as well um i know many of you are here are empathic i know many of you that are here that um you feel you know you can feel and doing this work we're all more tapped into our intuition so naturally we we all have a a sense of our sixth sense activators and a sense of knowing so it's knowing as well um if we don't process the emotion and express the emotion a lot of these emotions are still within us and can cause illness, lower our vibration, and we can have outbursts, um, we can snap, we can be reactive, so on, so on, so on, so on. And it's just knowing that we're processing, not just for us, but we're also processing the collective energies as well. So it's even more important to be uh, expressing and processing. Um, whatever that might be, scream, whatever, whatever it is. 
challenging the scapegoat role. So it's actually like, no, like I'm not taking this shit on. <laughs> actually, no. So it's challenging that. It's challenging that narrative and, and handing that back to people. Um, practicing compassion with ourselves. This is so important. We we get so fixated on all the things we have to do and all the, you know, the all the way that we have to go. And we can sometimes forget, like, wow, look how far we've actually come. Look how look at the changes that we've made in ourselves and in our lives. And isn't that wonderful? And just giving ourselves that that validation and, and having compassion with ourselves through these emotions that we we move through as we we're on this journey because you don't heal without feeling. So we actually cannot move through without feeling. And we need a very kind, gentle voice in our mind through that process. We need that compassion from ourselves. There's enough people in the world to give us a mean voice. And um, we don't want that one in our heads to be ourselves. Um, and it's a personal journey. It's important to prioritize our own well-being through this process. And we're 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 always making um we're always making progress as well. Sometimes it can feel like um we've taken some steps back and no work is ever wasted. It's like a catapult. So if ever you feel like you're going back a step, just notice that to stay still because you actually get you actually go further staying still than you do running. Because if you stay still, you're getting pulled into a catapult. So you just stay still, stay still, stay still, and then you'll get catapulted further than you ever could have walked pushing yourself forward just being and allowing where we are in each moment it doesn't want to move further now see yeah 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 so there is um There's a specific teacher called the Healing Daughter, and I thought these four names were really, really good. So I've just wanted to share them today to emphasize um, what it is that we're speaking about, the scapegoat. So the hero, the caretaker, and the fixer. So she may be the oldest, usually. She may be um, parentified, taken on as responsibilities at a young age. She tries to keep order in the family and may excel in academics or sports. Due to her role, she may be hyper-independent and capable. She builds her identity around saving her family or defending a scapegoat child, a scapegoated child. If she confronts the family dynamic, she may be scapegoated too. They feel good about their role in the family, but they also feel trapped and burdened by their role. As an adult, she may take on more caretaking roles in her relationships because this is all she knows. She unconsciously believes that she has to receive love by earning it because that's what she's learned. So this is the caretaker fixer. Then we've got the scapegoat daughter, the one that their narcissistic parent projects all their shame and self-hatred onto. Um. Now this could be like wanting a child to excel at a certain thing because the parent never succeeded, um, and when the child isn't doing well or meeting the standards that the parent 
wants them to meet, um, they can sort of project this shame and self-hatred onto the child because they're trying to um they're trying to live their life through the child. So the child isn't actually getting to live their life. The child actually is living the life that the parent wished that they lived. So they are seen as the issue with all the family's problems. This child is considered disloyal because they tell the truth about the family dysfunction. Scapegoats may carry intense shame, self-doubt and self-destructive tendencies. They may have PTSD and can have ongoing financial health problems, uh, which further puts them in a cycle of suffering. They are the most likely to break out of the family dysfunction because their thinking outside of the box and independent from their family can make them strong and allow them to seek understanding and heal. I feel like I'm writing about myself. <laughs> the golden child daughter. They are usually the favourite and may get special privileges and praise. The narcissistic parents can project their dreams onto this child, like that example that we just used before. These children are expected to excel and look perfect for the family. Um, here in these in these moments, it's like um we really learn that our needs don't matter. So say, for instance, I pick out a dress I want to wear and my parents said to me, you're not putting that on, you can't be wearing that. You need to be, um, you need to wear this. I don't know, say I'm five and I want to wear a, a Supergirl costume or something. That's what makes me feel alive. And you get told that people will think you're this or people will think you're that if you wear this. But basically, what that basically doing is, that's telling me that, it's so much more important how other people see me and um, how other people feel about me than how I feel about me. So it really doesn't matter uh, how I feel. It matters how somebody else feels. And this is where we learn that we don't matter, our needs don't matter, and our authenticity isn't good enough. And then we grow up and we start putting all these masks on because we feel like we're not, we're not good enough. Um, so that's another example. So they may be spoiled um, and shielded from the world where they end up highly uh, dependent on their narcissistic parents. So a job as a parent is obviously to bring a child into the world to support them within their authenticity of who they want to be. It's also their job to teach them how to not live without the parent. So the job is I'm here to guide you um, so you can go and do life. It's not, um, I'm going to need you, to, I'm going to, I'm going to need you to need me for the rest of your life. So it's all about teaching the, the independence, you know, throughout so that the child feels like confident and that they can do things on their own. Um, whereas in this case, the, the child does end up highly dependent because this makes the, like a narcissistic family dynamic feel needed, feel wanted, feel valued. And they get that from taking the power away from uh, the child or other people within the family. They internalize the family's values and 
may take on some of the narcissistic family traits, such as showing hostility towards the scapegoated child. They may feel superior, but deep down inside are truly insecure, afraid of the love and praise they receive being taken away. They may feel themselves from they may feel they may free themselves from dysfunction if the narcissistic family changes their role as the scapegoat. Okay. The lost and ignored. She keeps a low profile, makes few demands and avoids conflict. She may be shy and quiet and live in a fantasy world, disconnected from her feelings. They typically don't use, they typically don't cause trouble, stay under the radar and get by. They usually are emotionally neglected and abused, which causes them to withdraw from family chaos, but at the cost of their emotions. So this is like um, like a, a disassociation. So once we've felt a level of pain, we can disassociate from our body and we have um, different layers to our body and this being our pain body, we can, um, we can do this in order to survive and we forget certain parts and aspects of ourselves, why we can struggle a lot to remember certain situations. And when we come back into our body and start this process, we start to get more memories back and we start to feel those emotions that we've actually suppressed. So it's like, where's all this coming from? Where's all this coming from? It's coming because we've, we've been doing this for decades. Um, so yeah, that's the cost of the, the, their emotions. Uh, she can struggle to communicate her feelings and may deny or dismiss her feelings. She may act like she has no needs and is socially isolated. The mascot daughter, she uses her humor to get attention and defuse the tension at home. She may be the youngest. She uses their humor to avoid conflict. She may talk about family dysfunction in humorous ways. They're usually treated with favoritism because of their charm and humor. She may struggle in school or completing tasks. She may take longer to mature than others, have a hard time understanding her emotions and become a people pleaser. And people pleaser is in all of these. It's a natural trauma response from the scapegoat. Okay. I felt like I just went, went and went then when I was even taking a breath. Um, that was a lot to take in. And um, the easiest way for us to think about this is just like taking blame for something that somebody else has done. Um, whether that be a parent wanting to be a ballet dancer and making the child go to ballet every single week, even when they don't like it um handing things back to people that you know don't belong to us and noticing when we're actually putting things on others as well um so it's just having awareness around what it is does anybody have any questions that they would like to ask i know that was a lot a lot any experiences that you'd like to share? Anything that came up? Um, 
triggers a memory or any emotions that you feel from it any actions that you want to take away I feel like um for me it's really made me think about my childhood and the role I played um I'm more like to be honest is it possible to feel like more than one yeah because yeah because I feel like there was a little crossover on some of them but predominantly the one I relate to the most is like the fixers author because yeah the way my dad was and yeah I, I'm not the oldest but I'm my dad's only child um, yeah. and I literally I feel like I, I tick all those boxes like I was sort of praised to be in so mature from my age and I felt like if that was a good thing but like reflecting now I'm like I grew up too soon I really wasn't allowed to be a child and have a proper childhood but yeah. like I thought that was a good thing when I was younger because she's so mature you know you can deal with this you can handle that like it was a good thing and now I feel that was sad really because I should have been allowed to be a child and explore and yeah yeah I was kind of like I was just kind of as you say parentified um and like I had counseling after a few years after I lost my dad because I wasn't dealing with the bereavement very well I mean he's been dead nine years this year but about four years after it I went to counseling because I just couldn't deal with it and she said like obviously bereavement's really really difficult but she said it's difficult. It, I think it's even more difficult for you because the relationship you had with your father, it's not like just a father. It's almost like you would appear like you were his parents in essence, like that. So it's like losing a child in a way. Um, and then obviously when I've seen this hero caretaker fix his daughter, I was like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. Um, but mm. then I feel like there's like. I was scapegoated sometimes because basically if my dad did something and it was his fault, I was always made to apologise like it was my fault. Um, And that's where I feel like there's a crossover because my dad was like very troubled man, but he could be quite narcissistic. And my mum used to tell me like when he used to go to, he used to go to a place called the Ferndale Unit years and years ago. Yeah. And he, he went to group therapy and he'd, he'd come back and say, I don't remember because I was too little at the time, but my mum was talking about it and he did talk about it. He used to like talk about things he did to try and help himself. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, there was people talking about this, this, this and this. And, you know, um, nothing compared to what I was going through. And I just said to them, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's nothing. That's trivial compared to me. Just, just, just. And I'd say this and say that. And you know what? The next week they didn't come back. I'd fix them. And this is where the narcissism comes in because I, I think now, obviously, with learning with you and stuff, like you might have just invalidated their feelings and they've just gone to shit and they've left. And, you know, you don't have much courage and confidence it's taken them to get there and you just literally shot them down and validated them. But yeah. this is where, like, on reflection... He had too many narcissistic traits. He'd say things like to me, like, I've forgotten more than you now, or something new if I tried to, like, I wouldn't, like, say try and correct him, but that, in essence, that's what I could do about something. If he had the wrong information, he'd always, like, shoot me down and make me feel stupid or blame, like, I'd have to take the blame. And um, 
yeah that I think that doesn't off affects my confidence growing up in terms of going for jobs or not going for jobs and stuff it's like really knocks me confidence but this this um fix a caretaker I feel like I've got to earn my love like I've yeah got to do stuff in return like I've got to and I feel like I've got this responsibility to fix other people's problems all the time. What can I do to help? How can I help? Is anything I can do to help? I want them to fix it. I want them to fix it. Taking on stuff that's not necessarily my responsibility. I know mm. I can't fix everything, but I try. I try to. And I feel mm. dead stressed out if I can't. Yeah. Or people won't allow me to. And that probably makes me a bit overbearing in some ways. Mm. And that's just a repeat of a pattern that's that you can choose to stop now from when you were a child being that fixer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what worked for me was like saying it's not my business and then sitting with how guilty I felt. Like for not helping, I felt like extreme guilt for not helping. Because that was what I'd been taught that I'm meant to do. Yeah. And when I stopped doing that, um, I started to feel guilt, started to feel like I was a bad person. Mm. Um, like because it made me feel like unless I was saving, fixing, doing, then I wasn't worthy, I wasn't valuable, and I wasn't loved. And that was how I I um sort of earned love. Mm. So it's not until we actually stop doing all the fixing and we give things back to other people and we start to give that love to ourselves because really from the fixing we're actually getting something from it we're feeling like valuable and we're feeling needed and we're feeling wanted and we're feeling loved even if it's not consciously subconsciously that's what we're getting Mm -hmm. so it's it's every time we go to fix something it's pushing it aside and going that's not my business what is it that I how else can I give myself these feelings? Because I know I'm doing that so I can get X, Y, and Z. So how can I give myself X, Y, and Z so that I don't feel a need to be going and getting it through earning it? Yeah, because that makes sense. Because as, as you were saying then as well, that's like, it's like one of them, like you feel that you need to do it because it's the way the way you feel like you values and in and yeah. love that's the only way to feel it but then yeah as you said that guilt that's what I feel like if I can't do it or can't fix it or mm-hmm. if I don't at least try I feel guilty but yeah I yeah. do need to say to myself sometimes actually you know rein yourself back in keep your sticky yeah. beak house it's not your <laughs> not yours to yeah. fix that's what helped me it's just being like it's not my business yeah. Why are you doing everything in your business? Not your, it's nothing to do with you. It's not your business. Like everyone's got their own business. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. like that was really good for me because I've I just kept saying that's not my business. It's not my business. So it made me feel like I was being um what's the word I can use? Um probably too forward when I wanted to fix because what we need to acknowledge as well in all conversations and everything, what really works well for me is when someone comes to me with something I say, do you want solutions or do you just want to be heard? Uh, most people just want you to listen to them. Yeah. Want you to give them 5,000 solutions. And then we basically invalidate them then because we're stepping in 
trying to solve something for them when actually the solution to the problem is just listening to them. A lot of yeah. us just want to we just want to be heard. We just want someone to hold space for us, not judge us, not fix us, not do nothing, and just be with us and just let us be in our feelings. Yeah, I think that, that's true, what you say. And I think, obviously, it's what I'm attaching to that, what I'm in my head. I feel like I'm doing it because I've, I've got to feel worthy. So that's why I'm yeah. doing it. I'm not actually thinking it. I'm thinking of what I'm feeling, not what the other person is. Yeah. That's what it is, because if I was thinking more about them, I'd say something similar to what you said. Do you want a solution or do you want to be heard? You know, it's what do they yeah. want? What, what do they do want? They... Yeah, but yeah. it's not. I'm thinking about, I feel terrible if I don't. I feel, I feel, I feel. It's not about yeah. me. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. that's a realization because it stops it then once you once you once you look at it like that like oh my god like I'm actually just thinking about what I'm feeling here well for, for, for years I've been wearing an I am kind badge like thinking that I'm yeah I feel better when it's just all been for me <laughs> yeah because that's what it is isn't it but you yeah, don't think of it like that no, you don't you actually don't. even realize it no you don't and it's a huge shadow and it's 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 so that one thing in its own is profoundly healing and it's so empowering. And that, you don't even have, have to acknowledge it. Why don't you acknowledge yeah. it? See, I but didn't you... even know that was there until I've just had this conversation with you now. I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah, and it's beautiful that that what comes yeah. up for us in this way, because this is making our subconscious conscious. So our subconscious is directing our life through our past experiences and you've just made that conscious you've just made that in your subconscious conscious so that's been playing out in your life for decades and you never even knew no, thank, you. You know. thank you it's it's so um it's so difficult to to do this work and actually sit there and be like oh god yeah i remember that oh i remember that but when we can do it in a compassionate way and love ourselves and just be like actually yeah now i'm gonna do this now and, and and take actions from it. We can grow. Yeah. But yeah, we're learning new ones every day, aren't we? Every day mm-hmm. we find new ones. Mm-hmm. Thank you so That's much fine. for sharing. Thank you. Oh, thank you for listening and, and giving your advice as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's um it's huge. So much. It, it all weaves, as you'll notice, it all weaves into each other. You know, there's this trauma response and this one and this one and this one. And all sorts of like together. Once we start one, we start we start to see others and we can stop those. Um so I'm just gonna do um just put a song on before we leave and um just do some breathing and I'll try and talk with the music on let's see. We have the joy to Okay, so whether you can hear me or not. So we close our eyes. We've been to our body. Now just allow your thoughts to pass through. Any of your thoughts, 
listen to my voice, listen to the sound, listen to the music, use your hands to activate senses, feeling your body, this all takes us out of our heads. So listen, smell, taste, look, allow the thoughts in your mind to fly through like birds, let them go. Let them fly through, they'll come back round. There's nothing that you're going to miss. They'll come back round. Just be in this moment now. How does your skin feel? How does you got a hoodie on, your t shirt, how does that smell? Where your body feels, what feels natural, what feels Good to do, I like the whole body on the Inhale. Inhale. I start using an audible exhale. Inhale. Inhale. Oh. Inhale. 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 Into our body, out of our mind, out of our mind, out of our So through this work that we do, it's really important that we come out of our minds. And if you notice, we do that at the beginning and the end of every call. This is because um, to really move through and, and grow, we need to align our body, our mind and our spirit. So a lot of the work that we have just done is all about the mind, you know, specific psychological trauma responses. So after this, it can be good to reflect, of course, and journal but also lean into your senses, put a nice slow song on, whether it be a hot bath, whether you just lie there and breathe and allow your thoughts to pass. It's constantly moving through between this reflection and also this feeling, reflection, feeling, reflection, feeling, reflection, feeling. If we just do constant reflection, we're not actually going to be able to feel it and move through it. We'll have an understanding of it, but we actually won't be able to process it. So it's like the salads again. We can make lots of gorgeous salads, but we actually won't be processing it unless we're moving back into our body. So for me, I like to use touch. I like to put moisturizer on really slow. Um, I like to slowly dance to a song like what we've just listened to. This can just be three minutes. I like to go outside and just look at the trees and just observe them without having any thoughts about them, just observing them. And this takes more two minutes. And this is how we come back into our body. And when we come back into our body, this is where we feel this sense of peace and ease. So just keep that in mind with, you know, with this work that we're doing too. Every single day, make sure you're coming back into your body. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for everything that was shared today. And that was a lot. So yeah, just just go easy on yourself and join up the dots to, to how a, a lot of the stuff that happens in our life as painful as it can be. It also teaches us so much and we learn so much from it as well. So it's 
it's feeling the feelings and acknowledging things and validating and then asking ourselves um okay what does it learn and how can we move forward from that and um yeah so just constant reflection feeling reflection feeling um sending you so much love i'm really excited for everything that we've got coming all the new stuff's going to be coming in october so our collective will probably be back on fire after this year out and we'll all be um we'll all be back with all of our um much deeper insights yeah lots more stuff i'm really excited to to move through this new work with you the the um the psyche quiz which is going to reveal all the shadows and trauma responses is going to be out the end of October. And then we're going to move on to um different levels from there. So really excited to uh to to venture on this new Trinity trip, we're calling it a Trinity trip. Um have a gorgeous week. I'm sending you so much love and yeah, just love yourself, be gentle, and I'll see you soon. See you soon. Oh thanks, Liz. Thanks, Liz. Bye. 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 Bye.